We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. And I will always take my turn when it comes to talking about books, my favorite topic ever, and the subject of today's show. This episode will mainly be a list of the best stuff I've read recently, an extremely short synopsis of what the book is about, because I hate it when book reviews are just book summaries. Why do people do that? And then I'll also tell you why it made this list. I'm also going to discuss what I'm currently reading and what is in my to-read pile. So get your pencils ready or just click through to the show notes where I will have links to every book I talk about. Books and reading episodes will be a regular thing on this podcast because that is my personal passion. If you're new to the show, you might want to check out the very first episode, our debut, episode number one, which is all about reading habits, how, when, what I read, with tips on how to read more and how to find the best stuff to read. Also, on episode number six, I was joined by one of my childhood best friends to discuss our favorite author from childhood, Judy Bloom. And that conversation went all kinds of places that we weren't expecting. I'm also on a recent episode of the Currently Reading podcast, where we talk about books, naturally, but I also share some about the origin of this show and the one book that I want to press into every woman's hands right now. So that is the Currently Reading podcast, and I'm on episode number 31. Listen, today's prompt for you to journal about or text to a friend or post on social is an easy one. What is the best thing you've read lately? If you're not a huge book reader, and God bless you for listening to this episode anyway, if you're not, it totally counts to share an article or a blog post you've read, whatever has sparked your attention and stayed with you enough to come to mind during conversation, that is something worth paying attention to and worth sharing. Asking people what they're reading or what they've read recently, it can be such a good icebreaker. It doesn't even have to be with strangers. Even with friends, I think sometimes we forget to ask or share the books that we're reading. On that note, I am going to ask you guys to share this one on social media. This prompt, what is the best thing you've read lately? It's an easy, non-emotional, non-private thing to share about, a book you've loved, and it is so good for conversation. 
Also, I like to see what everyone's reading, not just the book bloggers or people who regularly share their books. I love those people. I love following them. But I do like to see what just your average reader is drawn to these days. Plus, I think it can spark something in your own little corner of the internet. I like seeing what my Facebook friends, which is a huge collection of hometown folk and LA mom friends and childhood buds, whoever, it says a lot to me in a good way when they share a great book. So if you do share this prompt, what is the best thing you've read lately? Please do make sure and tag the show at 10 things to tell you and use the hashtag 10 things to tell you so others can see as well. Okay, on to my list of the best stuff I've read lately. A few stats first. I have read 25, almost 26 books so far this year. That sounds a little bit higher than it usually would be because there were a few of those nonfiction audiobooks that I started at the end of last year, finally finished up in the first months of this year, So that skews my stats a little bit, but totally counts because I fully listened to those books. I struggle with audiobooks so much, you guys. I may give them up entirely, to be honest, but I've been trying. Anyway, I've read 11, almost 12, novels and 14 nonfiction books. So that includes memoir, business, self-help, etc. And in fact, the first book on this list was the first nonfiction book I read this year. I read it in the first weeks of January, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I have been talking about this book to anyone who will listen. I took so much from Atomic Habits. It was recommended to me by the internet. A lot of people were talking about it at the end of last year, and I bought it because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. But honestly, I went in with sort of low expectations. I've read a lot of these types of books in the last couple of years, productivity, motivational, habits type books. And they are A, not all created equal. And B, I thought there was only so much that one could say about habits. And I was pretty sure I'd already read it. So I went into Atomic Habits with maybe a low bar. But what Clear writes about, especially in the first half of this book, is about our habits being tied to identity. And that whole section absolutely unlocked something in me that had been elusive when trying to build better habits. I already knew all about the habit loop or habit pairing from Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, which is an excellent book, and James Clear draws on his theories a lot. But a missing piece for me that Clear writes about so well is identity. How it's not enough to just decide you're going to do yoga every day. You have to decide that you want to be a person who does yoga every day. Like it's not just the act of doing a downward dog. You have to transform the way that you think about yourself and how you want to be seen and how you want to identify. And if you want to build a yoga habit, It is easier to do so. It is easier to uphold this new value if you see yourself and present yourself and want to be a person who does yoga every day. It's a subtle shift. He explains it better than I do, but it's a mind shift difference instead of it being only about the actual habit. 
And right away, I started to see certain identity habits that I had that were not serving me in any way. Certain parts of my identity that I had latched onto or I had never noticed or I had never thought it was actually possible to change those things because they were so steeped in my personality or how I identify And just being aware of it, realizing that I could change those things, it has made an enormous difference in how I think about some bad habits I have and building some of the good habits I want to have. So if this type of thing appeals to you, I highly, highly recommend Atomic Habits by James Clear. The first novel I want to talk about is also one of the most buzzed about. You've probably seen it everywhere already. I actually talked about it on the Currently Reading podcast, but it has been one of my most enjoyable reads, so I just want to affirm all the sharing that it's getting, and that is Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I already knew that I enjoyed Taylor Jenkins Reid books. They're great beach reads, weekend reads, take on vacation books, because she is such a fun and interesting writer with good characters, unique storylines. I've really just loved reading her lately. I enjoyed The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo last year, and then I also read Maybe in Another Life, an earlier book by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I read that one weekend when I was sick, and it was exactly what I wanted. But in Daisy Jones and the Six, this novel that came out last month, Jenkins Reid uses a different sort of device that I thought I might tire of, but I really didn't. She does such a good job with it. The whole novel is told like a really long Rolling Stone interview or a transcript of interviews that someone might be compiling into a book, which is to say throughout the whole thing, the characters keep switching. You can see who is talking because it identifies it in parentheses, just like in a magazine article. This was such an effective way to tell a story about seven members of a rock and roll band and their rise to fame in the 70s, all fictional, of course, including drama and love triangles, addiction, billboard charts. It's just a totally fun romp. Of course, there's some darker elements in there. If you haven't picked up Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, it's great and it's a quick read. I've also heard that the audiobook is a good listen because she used famous actors doing the various voices, which is a very clever way to do that audiobook, I think. Next, another nonfiction book that has had an impact on me this year is a memoir. I am sure that you can agree that literally no one wants to smell bad, but sometimes Regular underarm deodorant just isn't cutting it. Or maybe it's not your underarms that need help. With Lumi, you don't have to worry. Lumi is the first of its kind in total body deodorant and is fully safe to use anywhere on your body. It is clinically proven to block odor all day and control it for up to 72 hours. The secret is mandelic acid, where instead of masking odor with a fragrance, it stops the odor before it even starts. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free, as well as pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of bright scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. 
Lumi's Starter Pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. Use code U for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code U, Y-O-U, at Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's by Danny Shapiro, and it's called Inheritance. This is not my first book by Danny Shapiro. I've read several of her books. I've enjoyed them all. My favorite prior to this one is called Still Writing, which is about her writing life, but also just about motherhood and marriage, and it's just a lovely little book. But I knew even before it was published that Inheritance, the one that came out this year, would be a whole new level of loving Shapiro's work. This memoir is about how the author found out on accident through one of those online DNA tests that her dad was not her biological father. Now, I don't want to go into any further spoilers about this story and what she does or does not do, what she feels after she finds this out, but I will say that Inheritance is beautifully written and it is heart-wrenching. I have a loose connection to this type of story. My dad was adopted in the 1940s, and when I was in college, we found his biological parent. So I related to a lot of this memoir in terms of wondering what identity means, nature versus nurture, just a lot of the themes that Shapiro explores. Even if you don't relate to this actual circumstance, though, This book still gives you so much to think about, things to talk about with your siblings and loved ones. Inheritance by Danny Shapiro will for sure be on my best of list at the end of the year. Another book that will for sure be on my best of at the end of the year, because I read it in February and have thought about it almost every day since, is a collection of short stories called Friday Black by... Nana Kwame Adjebrenya. If you've been listening to me for a while, you might remember that Friday Black was recommended by my friends Stephanie and Yasmin on our year-end book show on the podcast Smartest Person in the Room that came out at the end of 2018. Both of them had it on their favorites list from last year. So of course, I promptly bought it and I was blown away. Short stories are really having a moment right now. I've read some fantastic collections in the last year or so, but Friday Black is the best among them. It's hard to sum up Friday Black because, again, short stories, but I will give you this caveat. These stories are very dark and at times brutal. This is not a book. These are not stories for the sensitive reader. The stories are fiction, but they are about murder and abortion a very bleak future for America. 
I had my husband Jeff read it while we were on vacation last week, and even he, who is not a sensitive reader by any means, was like, whoa. So I'm sorry if this is a little bit of a cryptic recommendation, but it absolutely belongs on this list as one of the best things I've read this year so far, and one of the best things I've read in a long time period, Friday Black by Nana Kwame Ajay-Brenya. While we're in this heavy moment, I'm going to go ahead and recommend another memoir that is so well-written, despite the material, and that is Heavy by Kai Sleiman. This one was also recommended by Yasmin on that same Smartest Person in the Room episode. I seriously trust my book club's recommendations, obviously, and multiple people have mentioned that it also is very good on audio. Heavy is a memoir that originally set out to be about weight loss and historical weight around the Black community in the South. But as Kai Slayman was writing, he started pouring out deeper, more personal truths about his relationship with his mom, how this pain and dysfunction manifested itself on his body, how his body was abused and how he later abused it through food and sex and then extreme exercise. There's a lot to this book. It is very layered, very complicated, not just Lehman's story, but the greater commentary on abuse and shame, cultural expectations. This memoir really surprised me. I could not have predicted where he was going, literally and figuratively, and I was in it deep with him as he made painful and hurtful decisions after decades of being hurt. Even if this story feels completely outside of your own experience, Lehman writes it in such a way that you are empathetic to his struggle. And this is the power of memoir to me. Heavy by Kais Lehman really illustrates that. So now to swing to a totally different tone, style, and format, there is a novel on this list that I actually read last year, but it doesn't come out in the U.S. until this month. It's called Normal People by Sally Rooney. I think you'll start seeing a lot about it. It was also one of the book of the month selections for April. I heard about it last fall on a British podcast I listened to sometimes called The High Low. And then I saw it was long listed for the Man Booker Prize. And then I saw someone reading it at the nail salon. All of this was last fall. So I decided it was a sign. I ordered it from the UK. It was one of the best novels that I read last year. I didn't put it on my year-end list because it drives me crazy when people do that with something that's unavailable in the U.S. So I'm talking about it now when you can pre-order it because it comes out very, very soon. Normal People by Sally Rooney is a short novel about high school friends turned lovers, turned college students, turned young adults. Connell and Marianne, or Connell, we're going to go with Connell. His mom works as a housekeeper for Marianne's very posh family, and he is popular and poor. She is wealthy and an outcast. But the things that are opposite about them on the surface isn't really what this story is about. It's not hinging on an opposites attract theme. This novel is about young love and friendship how it all gets tangled in connection and sex. We follow this couple through these formative years as they break up, get back together, grow, change, miss each other, love each other. 
I just really, really related to this relationship. In fact, I have several people during that time of my life where there was some version of this, a hometown connection that binds you when you get out in the real world, sexuality making friendship complicated, misunderstanding what love is, all of that. I just loved this story and these characters. It's being described as very millennial, this book, which I'm not a millennial, but I can see what they mean by that. It's angsty. And some of their selfish choices will probably annoy you. But know that this is an adult novel. This is not a young adult book at all. I can see how this novel, Normal People, won't be everyone's cup of tea, but I loved it. It made me nostalgic and journal-y in a good way. I liked it better than Rooney's first novel, Conversations with Friends, and that one was really highly praised. But Normal People is better, I think. The Wall Street Journal called it one of the 12 best books for spring. So I think you're going to be hearing a lot about it. Sally Rooney is the author. I just realized that all of these books on this list so far are new. They've all come out in the last year, which is very strange for me because I don't usually read or applaud so many new books at once, mainly because that's not my typical reading habit. I do enjoy reading and recommending older books, even if it's just for the price point or the library availability or because they've been on my shelves for years. But this next book on the list is the only one I've noticed that is several years old, but it's really good. And many people have talked about this book for years now. I only just finally got to it. I listened to it, actually. And that is Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle. This is a memoir that came out in 2010. I'm not sure I've ever seen such a high star rating on Amazon. It has over 1,500 reviews. And they're almost all five-star. That is how good this memoir is. I first heard about Father Gregory Boyle on the On Being podcast, which is one of my favorites. If you guys aren't listening to On Being, it's a really good show. His conversation on that podcast with Krista Tippett is excellent, but it especially piqued my interest because Father Boyle is here in Los Angeles. He's a Jesuit priest, and he started Homeboy Industries. It was originally a bakery. Now it offers all kinds of services, and it's run by and for former gang members here in LA. It's a very impressive nonprofit that I already knew about, but I was not familiar with Father Boyle himself. So Tattoos on the Heart is a bunch of stories about his work, with the active and former gang members that he's been serving for so long. These stories are uplifting. Some are devastating. In the book, Father Boyle hits the exact right tone for what he's trying to convey here. The destruction, the peace, the grace. It never veers into being hopeless or self-congratulatory. It's just a really good book about compassion. Tattoos on the Heart by Father Gregory Boyle. The audio was really easy to listen to, by the way. He narrates it himself, and so the time flew by. The last book on this list that I want to talk about, although I am going to share a few more notable reads and what's in my to-read pile, but the last book on this best list is A Ladder to the Sky by John Boyne. The reason it's last 
And the reason it's so complicated to explain is that I sort of hated this book while I was reading it. I was really infuriated by the main character, so much so that I wanted to throw it across the room. Generally, I do not finish books that I really hate. I have no problem quitting a book that I don't like for any reason. Life is too short for bad books, and my to-read pile is so high. But this book, A Ladder to the Sky, is really compelling, and I wanted to know what was going to happen, so I kept reading. Plus, John Boyne is an excellent writer. I bought A Ladder to the Sky simply because I loved his other book, The Heart's Invisible Furies. By the time I finished A Ladder to the Sky, even though I still hated, even more so, the main character, by the time I finished it, I could see how smart this novel is, how well done it is, so much so that I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And so here it is on this list. I cannot promise you an enjoyable experience while reading A Ladder to the Sky. The prose is beautiful, but it's very frustrating. I will tell you that it's very well done. And if you liked The Heart's Invisible Furies, you will probably become like me, a person who plans on reading whatever John Boyne puts out. He reminds me of John Irving in several ways, and Irving has written some of my favorite books of all time. So those are the best books I have read lately. As always, you can find links to all of them in the show notes, 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast slash 11. Also, if you want to know what I'm reading in real time, I usually share that on my personal Instagram, at laura.tremaine, and I always do a compiled list in my email newsletter. That's called The Secret Posts. You can sign up for those at 10thingstotellyou.com. There's a few more books that are worth mentioning that I read on our family spring break vacation recently. I decided to use that trip as an excuse to read several of the books that have been sitting on my Kindle for ages that I just hadn't gotten to. Two in particular that I wanted to read because I enjoyed these authors last year. The first of those two was The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin. I bought that one because I read Young Jane Young by Zevin last year. I really, really liked it. So I bought The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery and it did not let me down. It's a very sweet book, and I don't typically like sweet books, but this is an exception, about a curmudgeonly bookstore owner on a little island and his simple but meaningful life. And the whole thing is framed by his, as a bookseller, his personal favorite reading material. I took notes while I was reading this one because I wanted to go back and read or reread some of the classics that the main character mentions in the story. This was a perfect vacation read. Light, well-written, lots of literary references, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery by Gabrielle Zevin. The other novel I finally got to was The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. I read Circe by Madeline Miller last year, and it was one of my favorite books of the year. It sparked so much in me. After I raved about it for so long, so many people told me to go back and read her first novel, The Song of Achilles. I'm really glad I did. This story, this Greek myth, is so different from Circe's story, even though there are a few overlapping characters, of course. But The Song of Achilles 
is mostly about the love story between Achilles and Patroclus, starting in childhood and up through the many, many years of the Trojan War. These books, Circe and Song of Achilles, have opened my mind to how much I love the Greek myths, and now that I'm not in a school setting, how much I appreciate them, how they really cover all the bases of humanity. And Madeline Miller is just a beautiful writer, and she does these stories so much justice. I really recommend them both. Circe still holds my heart between these two. I know people have deep, deep feelings about the Song of Achilles, but I really related to the femaleness of Circe's story, and so that one comes out on top for me, but they really are both excellent. Finally, finally, I'm going to mention that after delaying it for two years, I finally cracked open, well, it's on my Kindle, so I clicked open, the last book of the Neapolitan novels by Elena Ferrante. The first book is called My Brilliant Friend. It's now a miniseries on HBO. And then book two is The Story of a New Name. And book three is Those Who Leave and Those Who Stay. And book four, which I'm almost done with right now, is called The Story of the Lost Child. If you don't know anything about the Neapolitan novels, well, then I'm super surprised because they literally took the literary world by storm several years ago despite their terrible, weird-looking book covers. But the books are an epic saga of an epic friendship between two girls, Elena and Lila, who met in Naples as children. They grow up, have their own children. There's love and violence. It is a very complicated friendship. I read the first three back-to-back, mostly because I was just bowled over by them. I loved the writing. I loved the story and the setting. I hadn't read anything like it. I still haven't read anything like it ever in my life, I don't think. They are some of the best novels that I'd read in a long time. I just would and I wasn't just falling prey to the hype because a lot of people who read these novels don't care for them. They are an acquired taste. They're absolutely not for everyone. But those first three, when I read them, I fell under their spell. The third one in particular, Those Who Leave and Those Who Stay. It was my favorite favorite. I was just in awe of that novel. So much so that I put off reading this last one for two years. Now I've put it off because I didn't want the series to end. But finally, especially with the HBO series out now, I knew I had to finish it. So I started it. You guys, this fourth one is really different. I don't know if I've changed in the last two years or if the fourth book really is a change in tone, but I'm sort of disgusted by Elena's vibe in this book. Elena the character, not to be confused with Elena the author. Elena the character, she's always been an unreliable narrator, but in this conclusion, she becomes really very unlikable. So I still love 75% of this series, but my distaste for this last book is coloring how I view the Neapolitan novels as a whole. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, so next on deck, the very top of my to-read pile. And I want to hear what you guys have in your to-read pile too. Sometimes that's just as interesting as what people are actually currently reading. A lot of people have been mentioning the book Bad Blood to Me, Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup 
It's a nonfiction. I downloaded it for vacation. I didn't get to it, but I will soon. I'm also thinking that I'm going to reread Pet Cemetery by Stephen King because the latest movie version came out last week. I've been wanting to get to it. I actually started this reread a few weeks ago. I have not read Pet Cemetery since I was a teenager, so before parenthood, which matters here. And in the first few pages, I suddenly remembered exactly what this book was about, and it freaked me out so thoroughly that I quit reading it. Remember, Stephen King calls Pet Cemetery the scariest book he's ever written. So if I can get up the courage, I'm going to give it a solid reread. Stephen King is my favorite author, and I am trying to revisit some of my very favorites this year. Now, of course, I want to hear from you. I would love to hear what you're reading, what you're loving. If you have any reactions to the books I've mentioned here today, please do share it on social media, tag the show, use the hashtag 10 things to tell you so we can all follow along. I also just want to mention here, in case it wasn't clear, I put the prompt every week on social media, just a graphic with the prompt on it. You can always screenshot that and repost it yourself if you don't know what image to use in your answer. That will always be available. And now I'm going to start doing it up in Instagram stories as well. hope you guys enjoyed this lengthy book episode of just me talking about books. I always seem to have a lot of words about what I'm reading and what I've read. So thank you for listening. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10thingstotellyou. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.